we're praising the Lord this morning for something. I've got a, a quick thing we want to do. And, and, and uh, I want all the junior high going in, uh, all those going into seventh grade to come on, come on up. Woo-hoo. We've got a big graduating sixth grade class. So all of these, you can just stand right in front. Um, there's at least one more. They're, they're, they came out of sixth grade. They're going into seventh grade. And we have a junior high class that meets. And so um, they're graduating, which uh, when I told Anita, I says, okay, we're, we're taking them all out. She is very sad because they're great helpers in there. But they probably haven't been getting a whole lot out of the messages for a while. That's why we started this junior high class. And so they're going to be going over to junior high. So we're going to be praying a blessing upon them. But we also got to remember the leaders because these are junior high kids. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that mean? You know, those who work with junior high are are a special group because um, we have all of this amazing knowledge and zeal and words. Uh, you, do you guys remember some of you raising your your seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth graders? Like God flicks on a switch and they start talking a lot, <laughs> and and they start communicating, and then just all this stuff and and the self control, self control just like goes away for like two years, just whoosh, and and so. Because God is just doing some awesome miracles in them. So that's why we want to minister them in the special class that we do. Um, the high schoolers are able to go to that too. And because um, we want to pour into them, continue to do what you do at home. Pour into them the Word of God. Right? Because you do that at home with them, right? Yes. Yes. And if you haven't been, it's by faith. You're like, I'm going to start because they can't have Jesus in one hour a week. Ain't going to happen. So we need to do this all the time, but we're going to have a special class. I think Zach is teaching today. We're going to pray for them, pray for all the teachers who are volunteering. Um, and and oh, there's always room for more people to work with our, our little ones, our medium ones, our junior and senior high. But uh, stretch out your hands. We'll pray for them, and then we're going to release them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for... Get over there. They're, they're girls, but they don't have cooties. God, we thank you. We thank you for this, this group of, of junior high, God, who um, are just going to be raised in you and love you. We pray that you would open their hearts and their minds to receive all that you have for them, God. In this process, we pray for the teachers, all of those that are working with them each and every week back there, for Zach and Josh and Julie and, and uh, Pastor Mickey. God, bless them and, um, and just uh, continue to move through them. And Jesse is the youth pastor here at the church to raise these young people up, um, to help raise them up so they'll walk strong in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are dismissed. And all the high schoolers may go too. Jesse. Jesse, don't mess. Jesse. Check. Check, 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 check. Today for the first time, we're so excited that you're here at the Journey Church. We would love to get connected with you. We are um, growing in technology, and so if you notice on your bulletins, there's a little QR code. And if you have a smartphone, you can download the QR app and then scan that little bad boy and 
we can get connected with you. Or if you'd like to stay old school, you can <laughs> grab one of the connection cards that are in the front pockets of your chairs. And um, as you leave, there's ties and offering boxes, and you can put that in the box. And we would love just to get connected with you. And um, we're excited to have you as a part of our family. So um, we actually don't have any announcements today. Oh, everybody. Oh. <laughs> Instead, we're just going to take your money. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry, Pastor Rob. Um, no, but we are going to jump into a time of our tithes and offerings. Um, really exciting stuff going on. If you haven't been back towards the bathrooms and the, the youth cafe, um, they have done a ton of remodeling back there. They've torn down walls, put in new floors. Um, Josh has been here. Pastor Rob has been working on it. Gary's been working on it. Where's Gary? We have all sorts of people, even some like Aiden and I think Andrew have been working on it, some of the youth guys. And so there's a lot of really cool and exciting things that we're expanding, we're growing, and we're trying to make the, the church a nice place for us to be, for it to function well, um, because we want to be a good reflection of who Christ is. And so Sometimes the building needs to reflect a little nicely, too. So, <laughs> so I just wanted to highlight that. You know, we had, what was it, 28 girls here throughout the week that did a dance camp. And so it's nice that we have a space that we can allow the community to come in and do those kind of things as well. So that's a lot of what we're doing with our tithes and offerings is trying to grow and expand the church. So I just wanted to highlight that for us today. Um, so let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and offerings. Father, we thank you so much, God, that you do provide a space for us um, to come and to sing and to worship, Lord, and to fellowship with one another and, and to grow closer with you, God. I pray that um, as we give today, God, that we would remember that our goal is to um, expand your kingdom, Lord, and just to tell this world and tell the community, God, about who you are and what you did for us, God, because of your amazing love that you have for us. Father, we thank you for the many blessings that you provide us with. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Been back there. I know some people come to church. They come to the sanctuary. They never use the restroom. They don't know about the cafe, and they just leave. But I encourage you to go back and see all the, the work we've done. We are about probably 98, 99% done with this phase. The next phase is going to be um, the kitchen. Uh, and, and it's ready to go. We're going to uh, make the kitchen, kitchen bigger. Anyone ever been in the kitchen? You know? Yeah. Um, if if two, more than two people are in the kitchen at the same time, you can't fit them. So we're going to um, expand the width of the kitchen by about four feet. And we're going to expand the other direction about three, three feet. And we're going to have a nice big kitchen in there. So be praying about that. Um, it's, it helps when we do potlucks at the cafe, all the events that we do here. And we're doing more and more. Um, you know, the church gets used uh, by a, a Christian homeschool every, every week. They come. Um, we have the food bank here on Wednesdays, the Christian homeschool. Then we have events like the, the dance camp that Madeline and her um, friends did. They have an a sign, ASL sign language a class that meets here on Monday nights. Um, there's just the, the, the building is always being used, and it's awesome to be that in the community so that people kind of get to know us a little bit. And uh, so we are going to keep doing things. Um, anyway, so kind of glad to be done with a little bit of construction for at least a couple months as we m really need to raise the money for the kitchen. So we'll see how that happens um, because cabinets aren't cheap. 
Ain't cheap. So if anyone know if anyone's doing a cabinet room, if anyone knows someone like doing a cabinet remodel and has nice cabinets coming out, um, we could put those in the kitchen. We have somebody who could modify them. So keep your ears open. Um, nice cabinets. Like if they're falling apart, we're not going to put them into a new kitchen. All right. Um, they need to because in there they got they get a lot of wear and tear. We are um, still in the book of Genesis. We're doing character studies. Is the recording going? Is Marissa back there? No. Cool. It was going? Okay. As long as it was going, that's we just want to make sure we get the recording in our last, last thing. Um, you can listen to all of our messages online, and uh, we will be moving towards live streaming, Facebook Live, and some other things, and on the website, um, hopefully this next year, so that uh, you can, you know, see my pretty face. Anyways. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, appreciate it. All right. <laughs> um, we've been doing character studies, going through the Bible, learning about uh, the different people in our history. And I talked a little bit about last week that we don't have perfect examples. We have real examples. This morning, we're going to finish up talking about Jacob. Um, and we're, we've spent a number of weeks on him, but there was a lot of information about Jacob in the Bible. Jacob has mentioned 19 chapters of, of Genesis. 19 of the 50 chapters Jacob is mentioned. He's mentioned 160, 176 times in, uh, in just in Genesis. He's, um, he's mentioned uh, 39 times in the book of Isaiah. And he's mentioned more than Abraham. In, in the Bible, he's mentioned some 370 times. Abraham is mentioned like 230 times. So, so Jacob, um, this, this man that we've been studying, um, who struggled his way to faith his whole life, is a key person in our faith and in the Jewish faith. And so we're going to spend one more day talking uh, about Jacob. And I'm going to uh, summarize all the things up till now, hit a couple of chapters. I'm going to jump one character or a couple characters and talk about Jacob's end because it all fits in here. As, as we've watched and learned a little bit about Jacob, as I just said, he struggled through his faith. He started out his life, his name literally means heel or heel grabber, and it was a, a meaning that he would be like um, a trickster, a deceiver. And he lived up to that. Now, as I'm reading and rereading and rereading this myself, um, I spend, I mean, I, I read um, sections of, of, of Genesis, I mean, probably 15 times this week, just going over it, and then commentaries. I really started realizing that Jacob came from a dysfunctional family and then became the father of a majorly dysfunctional family. Um, I mean, just dysfunctional, 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 dysfunctional. Horribly. And so he lives that out in his life. Um, you think about his dad. We, we decided Isaac a little bit. His dad, one chapter really to Isaac. We d he doesn't do much. He's a well digger, right? That's what we talked about. We found, what we really found out about Isaac is he was super passive. Now, Isaac's wife, Jacob's mom, was, was strong. She was crafty herself. I believe, now this is going off a little bit, I think she kind of was trying to and really tr ruling the house. 
In fact, Isaac didn't even go get his own bride. Do you remember? Isaac didn't go get his bride. His mom and dad arranged to go get him a bride. Isaac is a passive, passive man. Rebecca comes in. So we have a marriage and a relationship that's out of balance, it looks like. And so, so Jacob is, is raised in this house. He becomes a deceiver, and a, a crafty man, and he spends his life. So um, really running from God. We talked last week that the first time he's really coming to his own faith was in that prayer when he comes and says, you are my God. Uh, so, so Jacob at this point, we're going to be in um, Genesis 34 a little bit, 35, 36 this morning. Um, and, and 37, and then we're going to jump to 50. So, so Jacob is struggling his way through life, through his faith. He, we're gonna, what I want to talk about this morning is some amazing events of God's faithfulness, even when we can't see it, in the midst of suffering. And I want to talk about a number of ways that Jacob suffered this morning, um, some lessons that we can learn and some reasons for his suffering. Jacob learned about trouble in his life. He had to leave his family to go to a land that he didn't know. He falls in love, which was a good thing, but then ends up having to work seven years and gets tricked into marrying the wrong woman, works another seven years, begins to have kids, and we're going to get into some of these next things that his kids do that, that, uh, that give him some trouble. Some five, six major times in Jacob's life that he had serious personal suffering. And er each time it came out of nowhere. And I'm looking around the room and I see the same things. Trouble, tribulation, sickness has just come upon you without any notice. Amen? That's what life sometimes brings to us. Through it all, Jacob perseveres in his faith. And in the book of Job, chapter 23, if you're taking notes, Job 23.10 says this, God, but he, God, knows the way that I take, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. We, we're we're going to look at Jacob. Now, he doesn't always do the right things, even through the tribulation and trials, but we're going to see that God never leaves him, and in the end, he's been being tested. All God's children eventually suffer. All of them. It's the school of suffering. Right? We, 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 we suffer through uh, trials, tribulations, death of children, death of parents, death of siblings. Um, we, we have job troubles, losing companies. 2008, a number of you lost companies or, or stocks or houses. No one is exempt. The Bible teaches us that, and life bears that out. If you've been in a church that says, if you're, suffer if you're suffering anything, then you're living in sin— that is not, you're going to suffer in this life. In fact, Jesus promised in this world you're going to have some suffering. No one can test out of the suffering. Who's ever wanted to do that? Okay, I've done. Can I just take a test? Be done? As Jacob's life is going towards the end, he starts facing a number of serious attacks and crises. One right after another, we're going to start, st start seeing these right there. His, his, some of them are including his family. His daughter, his only daughter, his father, his wife, his oldest son, and ultimately his favorite son. We're going to look at all five of these crises in Jacob's life. 
this morning. Jacob was a family man. Abraham had one significant child. He had two, but he had one significant. Isaac had two, one significant. Jacob has 12 sons. It's the beginning of everything. So chapter 34, we're going to talk about the first crisis. The first crisis this morning we're going to talk about is that Jacob and the family, after they'd come out of the land, he had, he'd met with God back at Bethel the, the first time, and they were going to settle the family um, near a place called Shechem. He had one daughter, Dinah, and they were living pretty close to this Canaanite city. And Dinah was an attractive woman. And there was a man in the village who was not a Jew who saw her and falls in love with her. And it sounds like he really loves her. So he, he takes her on a date. And if you will, this is, this is probably the first instance the Bible says about date rape. Because he loved her, but he violated her. And he took her. And so... Um, Jacob finds out about this. The, uh, the sons find out about this. And the sons are extremely angry. And so they devise a plan to work with these, this family. And, they, and the, this, the father of, of Shechem, who, who violated Dinah, says, My son loves your daughter. Let us marry her. Let's, that would, that's what we want. We'll do anything. And, and so they said, Here's what we're going to do. If you want to marry our kids, we're Jews, you have to be like us. We can't let our daughters marry your, your sons unless your sons are circumcised. And so, but if you will circumcise everyone in your family, all your men, then we can intermarry. And, you know, the, the Jacob's got, he's got a lot of wealth. He's got tons of sheep. He's very, very wealthy. He's got all these people. So the people of the village says, that sounds like a good idea. And they circumcise all the men. Like, you know, we, we do potlucks and baptisms, Right? <laughs> Like, hey, next Sunday we're doing a circumcision. Meet over at the park. <laughs> they all get circumcised. And a couple days after the pain is really set in, two of Jacob's son goes in and kills all the men. They're living in this land full of Canaanites, and they completely annihilate a whole group of people slaughtered them every male and they carried off the women and children Jacob's response is you've brought trouble on me it's not, it's not very noble he didn't even mention Dinah his daughter you brought trouble on me and it's, it's true because all people are going to probably not like him very much his, his boys had a bad response too and they said should we have treated our sister like a prostitute in this story, no one's good. Jacob's worried about what's going to happen rather than the honor of his daughter. The sons overreact and kill everyone. Why did that happen? I think one of the reasons is because Jacob moved too close to the Canaanites. He was dancing around sin. He was just on the outskirts, but close enough to where his family and his daughter could intermingle into into sin. So he's got crisis. They've got people want to kill him on every side, and Dinah's been violated. In chapter, that was chapter 34. In chapter 35, Jacob's back in the Holy Land. God talks to Jacob, and he says, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there. 
and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all that were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, change your garments, then let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. Wanna, this is kind of a Sunday school thing. We get, get some feedback. Do you remember a few weeks ago we talked about Jacob's oath to God? He says, if you will take me and let my journey be successful and bring me back, then I will serve you. Remember that? He also said that I will give you what? A tenth of everything I have. You know, we read about him coming back, and he's got a lot of stuff. We didn't ever read that he did it. We have not read that Jacob fulfilled his vow. So, so God is saying, come up now back to the place. Remember Bethel? And Jacob says, oh, this is the house of God. God lives in this place. God is saying, come back to Bethel. Make an altar there to God. I miss this. In the Christian church, we think of altar calls. When we hear altar, we think of an altar call, which is a, you just come forward and give your life to Jesus. An altar is a place of sacrifice. God said, hey, you're going to go to Bethel, and you're going to make an altar to sacrifice things. Because remember, you owe me 10%. We're going to do business. Jake, this, is, this is anywhere between 6 and 10 years later. He went back and lived his life and just did what he wanted to do for six to ten years and just kind of forgot about God. In that process, his daughter was violated by a people that weren't godly. God is saying, it's time to remember who I am and your vow to me. I believe Jacob is having a moment here because he, he goes up there, he makes the altar, he sacrifices God talks to him, but he also tells all of his people, put away your foreign gods. Stop living the way you used to live. We're going to serve God now. And it's the beginning of him changing and becoming monotheistic and, 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 and uh, zealous for the things of God. And the timing couldn't be better. So they go, and, and God reminds him of the promise and the oath and he, he reiterates what he said to him. Verse 7 says, He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. In verse 9, God appeared to Jacob and when he came from Padamaram and he blessed him and he's going to reiterate his blessing. God says, Your name is Jacob, but your name shall be called Jacob no more. It will be called Israel. He called his name Israel. Remember, he already did this 10 years ago. Jacob has not stepped into the things of God yet. He's reiterating, it's gonna, now is the time. God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. That land that I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you and your descendants. After you, I give this land. And then God wants up from him. Jacob sets up a pillar in that place where he talked with him. And he pours a drink offering on it, and he pours oil on it. I was stuck in, in, in here because the place is called Bethel, and, and I'll, I'll catch you up. Beth 
in, um, in Hebrew is house. Do you ever see ha- the word Beth? Bethlehem is house of bread. Okay? So whenever you see Beth, it means house. The other part of the word is going to be a different word. Bethel. El is the shortened form of God. Okay? So Bethel means house of God. But we read it just a second ago. Did you see what he called it here? He called it Bethel the first time. And then he says he called it El Bethel. And we live in California, and most of you went, yeah, the house of God, right? Because El means the in Spanish. Sorry, I went there. I'm like, yeah, the house of God. No, El, this is Hebrew. This is God of the house of God. Oh, interesting. And I was like, what? He, he saw God at that place originally. He says, okay, this is the house of God. But now he's like, no, 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 no. I am now finding the God of the house of God. The powerful, single God. He is having an encounter with God. This is going to be super important for him, and it's, a, and it's a lesson for us. He's about to go through some major difficulties right here in this chapter. And he's finding God first, and he's getting filled up, and God is going to be with him. And God, will find out, has been with him the whole time. Verse, verse 16, right after this, verse 35. And they journeyed from Bethel, that they went a little distance to go to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. It came to pass when she was in hard labor, the midwife said to her, don't fear, you're going to have a son. And Rachel dies in childbirth. Remember, Rachel's the favorite wife. Rachel's the one who said, if you don't give me kids, I'm going to die. Now Rachel's having a kid, and she's going to die. Rachel's the one who took the foreign gods, and Jacob said, whoever took those foreign gods, they're going to die, and she's dying. There is so much happening in this little thing, but Rachel is the, the, the wife that he loves, and she dies in childbirth, and a, a son is born, and she tries to name him um, son of my misery, son of my weeping, but um, Jacob renames him um, Benjamin, son of my right hand, and she's, she's no more. So now Jacob has 12 sons. Benjamin is the last son, two from his favorite wife, but his wife is dead. She gets buried. Israel, now they start calling Jacob Israel and Jacob. You go back and forth here. As you read the Bible, sometimes it says Israel, sometimes it's Jacob. It's talking about a person. It hasn't started talking about the nation yet. So when you see Israel, it's the person, Jacob. here's Here's a fun one. Remember, Jacob has two wives and two concubines that he has kids through. Bilhah, is one of Jacob's concubines. Bilhah was um, Rachel's maidservant. Verse 22. It happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben, the firstborn son of Jacob, went in and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it. So Bilhah is a, is a woman that Jacob sleeps with and has had kids by. Reuben, his oldest son, has two half-brothers from Bilhah. They're brothers. And he's sleeping with their mom. You think your house is bad. 
This is crazy. This is crazy. You know, know, there's kids in here. I'm sorry. They're usually next door. Hope that's okay. This is the Bible. This This is bad stuff. And all this says is that Israel hears about it. He heard about it. And it troubles him. And he does nothing. We, we don't know that he does anything in that. That goes on in, in 35, and it talks about his, his sons. And it names them all, who the parents are, so you can see. Oh, yeah, Bilhah, uh, he had ne- Dan and Naphtali. So I have a feeling Dan and Naphtali are not real happy with Reuben. I don't know about you. Jacob came to his father, Isaac, at Mamre, and Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. And the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days. So now Isaac's dead. So Isaac is dead. Rachel is dead. And Jacob's, I'm I'm looking for it. I'm not going to spend time. Jacob's mom's maidservant, who's been with him the whole time, also dies. So he's, and, and we, we, we're pretty sure that Jacob's mom's already dead. So, so he's losing, he's lost a wife, a dad, mom a little while ago, the servant of mom, and his son is, has slept with his, one of his concubines. It's crazy. It's a lot of death. I think it just says this. If you live long enough, you're going to see a lot of death. I was talking to my wife about that recently. I'm like, you know, I'm 48, approaching 50. And I'm like, I'm, I know so many more people who've died. I've gone to fun- more funerals than I want, and I'm only 50. If you live to 80 or 90 years old, you will bury most of your friends. And death is hard. If you've experienced death, there's a, here's a plug. I want you to attend one of Joe's grief classes that he does. They're so important. Death comes to everyone. Death and taxes. And actually, taxes come if you die. I think they tax you somehow when you die. So it comes more than once. Jacob and Esau... We haven't seen them together since they greeted each other on the way back. Remember, Jacob didn't go with Esau. He settled over here. This is the, the, this is the next time that we know that they, they get together. They're brothers. They get together to bury Isaac. And after this, the Bible never mentions that they see each other again. So they may also be the last time he sees his brother. Deaths, Reuben's sin. Dad knows what his son has done. And he will never forget the disrespect that Reuben does. In fact, at the end of Jacob's life, Reuben is supposed to have a double blessing. Remember, the, the father's blessing on the firstborn is a double blessing. At the end of the life, he starts praying for him. Instead of giving him the double blessing, he, he, he gives him a... Uh, this is what he says. He says, Reuben, you're my firstborn. You're my might, the first sign of my strength excelling in honor, excelling in power. And, and, and he's probably going, right on, Dad, I'm going to get a double portion. And then he says, you're turbulent as waters. You will no longer excel. You went onto your father's bed, onto my couch and defiled it. You're done. And he gives the double blessing to his youngest son, Joseph. Interesting, huh? 
Jacob was the youngest son. He gets the double blessing, and he gives it to Joseph. Well, actually, Joseph's not the youngest son. Chapter 37. I want to talk. So already we see three deaths and Reuben's sin against him. Now, we haven't talked about this, but we all know about Joseph, right? Joseph and his technicolor coat. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph is, is Jacob's favorite son. And he's not afraid to tell all the other kids that. That's a horrible way to grow up. He's about 17 years old in chapter 37. Jacob loves Joseph. Again, got to think, this is, this is not United States of America where kids live in their mother and dad's house until they're 32. <laughs> they have their bar mitzvah at 13 years old. They become men and they, they work. Jacob is 17. He's at home with dad wearing a fancy coat and all of his brothers are out doing the sheep. He's protecting his son. He might remember some of the stuff. He might remember Esau and his own things going, yeah, this is my favorite. I was mom's favorite. Esau and I didn't get along. I'm going to protect him. He probably should have done that. He sends Joseph out to go check on the boys, which is great. You know, all, they're all out there working and watching the sheep, and he's going to come out in his fancy thing and, and, and give them some more dreams that he's had. That Joseph had dreams that said he was going to be their ruler. They don't like it. They plot to kill him. They get saved from that. Joseph gets sold into slavery. They take his coat. They slash it put goat's blood on it, bring it back to dad, and says, hey, dad, we found this. Is this Joseph's coat? And, Joseph, and, and Jacob thinks that he's dead. I- interesting, there's a little, little quick interesting thing in there. The dead goat of deception. I think Jacob had a dead goat of de- deception in his life too, didn't he? Remember? Mom got a goat and killed it. Everything's starting to come back around. So Joseph loses a son. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I think people sometimes think, oh, well, if you have a lot of kids and one of them dies, it's not a big deal. Come on. You know who would say that? Somebody who's never lost a kid. He he loses his son. And sadly, for whatever reason, this is his, his favorite son, and he thinks he's dead. And they, it says that they, the kids tried to console him, tried to counsel him. He's got 12, well, 11 now fine sons. And he says, Jacob would not be comforted. His, the, the Bible says his sons and daughters came to comfort him, and he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. I think only parents who've lost a child can fully understand the next sentence. And it says his father wept for him. He's reached probably the lowest point of his life. His daughter sleeps with a pagan, violated. His sons butcher an entire town. His mother's nurse, the only connection to his mom, uh, his mother's nurse, Deborah, dies. Rachel, his wife, dies. His father dies. Looks like he sees his brother no more. And then his son, Reuben, disgraces him. And now Joseph is dead. At least he thinks so. 
How could God do this? How could God take Joseph away? He was 17 years old. We've had deaths in this community of young people. It's devastating. I think in this time, Jacob is looking at, at God's face and just seeing black clouds. Have you been there? You, I think some of you have been there where whatever has happened and you can't see God in the midst. You, 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 you just can't see. I, I've never had a tragedy like this, but my kids have gone through, through tragedies. Because when you're 12 and something bad happens, that's a tragedy. Right? Remember those times when you had young kids? You might be thinking, this is silly, it'll go away. Not for them. You know, when, when your kids were going through a tragedy, you were there, but they were crying like they were all alone. Do you remember those times? Isn't that painful as a parent to watch your kids cry, mourn, weep, and you're like, I wish I could take away the pain. And you try, but you can't. And it's almost like they can't even see you there hurting for them. That's us and God. God didn't disappear. And he doesn't disappear from our lives. But when we go through the fire, we can't always see him. Now, praise God, Jacob did have an experience with God, I think, that's helping him to get through this process. He came and he found a relationship with God again. Jacob's not unique. He's Job, we think of in the Bible, a man chosen by God to suffer. Jacob is human. Very, very, very human. And we learn that no one is exempt from suffering. God is going to use suffering in all of us to teach us lessons. How come we don't learn as many lessons when things are going well? You think back over the course of your life, you typically get smarter from suffering, not from joy, because you just enjoy the joy. When things come hard, you begin to slow down. You begin to listen. You begin to think. When things get hard, you need to learn to calm down. You have conversations with God. You have to tell yourself to reason. You look up to God and you begin to learn. We go too fast. This should happen every day, but we're, we're running. We're spinning our wheels as people. And we're not going slow enough to learn some good lessons. We don't know for sure if Jacob learned these lessons, but we can learn watching him suffer that we want to go through trials well. We want to learn from our suffering. God is at work in your suffering to produce Christ-like character. In tribulation, in trials, in temptation, God is working in you to bring gold out of it. I, 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 I heard and I've seen some ceramics and things done, but there was this man uh, it, it, quite a long time ago. He went to a famous um, china shop in England where they made china. And he was watching them make the, the plates. And, and it, they were putting in these kind of just blah colors in all the china. And then they were doing a ring around the edge of the plates in black. 
and they were just ugly. It, they, it is just ugly. So this is supposed to be a, a beautiful china place. Ceramics is very similar. They're, they're, sometimes the colors in ceramics, they're just ugly. But when they put them in the fire and brought them out, the black turned to gold. And all the colors get vibrant. That's how it is in our life. Things are coming in and they're dull and they're black and you can't see any color. And you go through the fire and if you allow the fire to do its work, you can come out brilliant, shining forth. But you've got to learn in the process. You've got to hold on to God in the process. You've got to press in instead of run away. You know, almost every one of us in this room this morning has a coping mechanism that is unhealthy. That, that we run to when the times get hard. Sometimes they might be even physically healthy, but they're not always emotionally and mentally and definitely not spiritually healthy. We always think of the big ones, oh yeah, when people get stressed out, they drink and they do drugs. They, do, they go have sex, they get promiscuous, and they go do these things. Well, other people eat. Some people develop unhealthy relationships with other people. Some people just go and talk, 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 thinking that's going to help them. Some people go work out. And, and some of these have some health benefits, but we need to learn to go to God and get healing and look to Him. Go through the process and let His, let His character be formed inside of you. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. says we glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us that word character is a rare commodity we want to be people of character. Character isn't how you act in one situation. Character is how you respond most of the time, and it's in a, born in a lifestyle. It comes from tribulation, having its work. Some of God's choicest saints were subjected to the fiery trials of life. You know, Peter was crucified upside down. The dark times of life can produce gold and beautiful reds and colors in our life if we'll allow to go through the fire. And our suffering will never separate us from the love of God. Many of us have asked this question, if God loves me, how can he allow this to happen? We're prone to think that God has forgotten us. Does God still love you when your marriage breaks up? Yes, absolutely. Does God love you when your career takes a wrong turn? Does God love you when you end up in jail, does God still love you when your wife has an affair? Does God still love you when you have an affair? Yes, he loves you. He wants to bring healing and he wants to bring forgiveness. Does God love you when the doctor says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do? Just like I said a moment ago, we love our children when they're going through the trials, but we can't always, we don't, always and we can't always fix it 
Paul said in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The school of suffering I mentioned earlier. You've gone through it and you're going to go through it again. So the question is for all of us, what, how are we going to graduate? You can graduate the school of suffering with a D minus? Are we going to press into God and say, I want to be found faithful? We could d graduate cum laude or magna cum laude or summa cum laude. If we go, as we go through our trials and tribulation, press into God, fall on God, reach into Him, surround yourself with people who will push you in the right direction and not let you go off into the wrong direction. I want to graduate with highest honor in the end times. When, I, when it's all said and done and Christ comes back for me, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. If it was a graduation ceremony, I would want to hear my name and hear summa cum laude. I don't want to just squeak through this course with a D and say, well, at least I made it. I want to arrive with honors. That moment's coming soon. We're all gathered together, waiting in expectation, and we hear somebody say, all rise, and King Jesus walks in. And he begins to call our name. Ruth Ann Hall, graduating with highest honors. Monique Monroe, graduating with highest honors. Can you hear your name? Let, let your name be said with highest honors. Don't be the one who's going, Rob Hastings. You ever been to a graduation ceremony and they got all these highest honors, dean's award, this, that, and then they say a name with nothing. And it's like, ugh. Sometimes you, you, you feel like you say your name and go, Rob Hastings, barely. That's how I graduated high school. Barely. I don't want to graduate this life. Barely. In that day, I want to be found faithful where I've lived for my Jesus because he's coming back for a white bride and he says, hey, I mean, he sent us the Holy Spirit to live in us and he's going to call our name and I want to hear highest honors. We're going to enter into the joy of the Lord one day. Some here know sickness. Others will have broken dreams. Other people have been abandoned and forgotten, but the Lord knew what they've done for Him. And God never forgets them. One day we'll all enter into our eternal reward. And I can't wait to be there and cheer for my friends. Give a standing ovation for my loved ones. And I know all of us can, are hoping, we're hoping that will hear the name of one of our friends. And you know that if you do, it's going to be barely. But it doesn't have to be that way for us. I can hear him say my name. And I want to hear him say Rob Hastings with highest honor. And so I live my life for Jesus. 
I want to be poured out as a drink offering for him. God intends all of us will go through the school of sorrow, but thank God that it doesn't last forever. It's going to end one day. What lessons will we learn? How will we come through them? God never left Jacob. He was with him when he was working for his father-in-law, being deceived and having to work double time. He was with him, and he blessed him just as he said, and he walked with him all the way to the end. He protected them and led them into Egypt to be saved from the famine and even brought them out. Even just their bones were carried out of Egypt. God has not left you. He has not abandoned you. He's going to call our name one day. Stay in school. Press in. Let's go out of this life with highest honors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for our sin, and then you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us to give us power and strength. Lord, I thank you that you surround us with believers. God, people who love you, who can help us along this path. Lord, I pray that we would press in in the, in the times of trials and we would not lose hope. You would strengthen us. You would surround us with people that would encourage us. God, we would be a people who run to you instead of away from you. We wouldn't run towards our coping mechanisms. We'll press into you. And on that day that's coming soon, when you call our name, we might hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You've graduated this life with highest honors. Enter into the joy of your rest. I pray that for everyone here. God, if there's anyone here who's never made that first confession of their faith and their trust in you to be their Savior, asked you to forgive their sins, I pray that right now they would do that. That they would say, God, forgive me. I've, I've lived a life apart from you and I've done it my own way and I don't want to do it anymore. I, I want to be your child. I want to make it to this graduation ceremony and hear my name called. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God bless you all. Have a great three-day weekend. Go take a look at the back and thank the people who've worked on it.